Hi, this is John Stone from 10,000 Blades, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. All the best of food and drink, a glass of wine, a smile, a wink. Don't have a cow, don't make a stink. It's Lucy and the kitchen sink. Yay! Okay, hey New Haveners, and welcome back to another episode of Kitchen Sink. I'm really excited to actually be live in the studio um, because I feel like I don't get to do that that much anymore. But the first thing I want to say is it's kind of an episode of Kitchen Sink, but also it's an episode of Deep Focus. Yay! And that is, that is me, oh loyal listeners, <laughs> My, all you Deep Focus fans out there. Uh, yeah, so we've done a few collaborative episodes before between Deep Focus and Kitchen Sink. Usually this is reviewing Tom, Tom, yeah, this Green, is Tom Green. If you don't know his <laughs> reviewing voice. uh movies about food. We've spoken about the city the documentary City of Gold uh from last year about the LA Times food critic Arnold Jonathan, Jonathan Gold. Gold. <laughs> not, not photographer Arnold Gold. And then we spoke about Les Blank's documentary Garlic is as good as Ten Mothers. Yes. Um but I know you want to do the intro, so I don't want to steal no, your intro, no, but we have a, a New Haven-specific okay. food documentary but We today. do. It's our, um, so it's our, our first time to bring a real-life human being into the, into the studio to do this, and I'm really excited to be here with Jim O'Connor. Jim is uh, the director of the new document... Oh, did I get something wrong? No, I thought you were going to recite his, his title, and oh, I thought I could it, see yes. you... Jim Jim is the director the director excuse me of the new documentary Food Haven which will have its debut next week at the New Haven Docs International Film International Festival although Film it is Festival. playing at NH Docs yes. too right yes playing yes. both yeah which is really really exciting Jim's a media production specialist at Quinnipiac University and I'm so excited that you made time for us this morning this I, I guess it's afternoon I don't know. Time is relative, y'all. But um, but anyway, Jim, welcome to the studio. Yeah, thanks for having me. What an honor to be a part of both of these shows. This is great. Well, we're yeah. we're thrilled. I want to kick it off with a question that um, I'm sort of cribbing off of director Desdemona Chang, who I met a couple months ago. She spoke about the importance of being able to distill anything you're working on, a movie script, a book, in this case, a documentary, into a sentence that you can tell people, you know, my my project is about X. Um, and, and so I guess for our, our listeners out there who have not seen this, what is Food Haven about for you? Yeah, I mean, wow, what a great question, first off. Um, if I could describe Food Haven in one sentence, I always make the tagline a celebration of culture. I don't claim to be a food expert by any means, but what I want people to do when they see this film is really to feel um, all the great memories I have in New Haven. It's a celebration of culture. I want them to learn a little more about New Haven and just really enjoy the film and go to the restaurants after and just be excited about New Haven. So if I could put it in one word, it would just be two words, actually. It would just be... Uh, Three words. Uh, celebration of culture. And tell us a little bit about your own experience with New Haven, your upbringing, and, uh, and sort of the lens through which you saw the city before you were formerly a, a filmmaker. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in uh, Orange, Connecticut, and I always felt growing up that New Haven was kind of like this mystical place. People always talked about it. I didn't know much about it. I kind of only went uh, with my family on special occasions. You know, it was a very special place to me. And then uh, after college, I spent a lot of time bartending, and I, re I was really excited about being able to talk to patrons at the bar about where they should go in New Haven. And I was excited to learn about new restaurants and new bars and to be able to be that kind of person that could 
figure out what you're looking for and move you in the right direction. So I really have an outsider perspective of New Haven. And now that I'm a filmmaker in New Haven, um, it's really come, you know, full circle, which is great. There, so I know we're going to be talking over the course of the hour about the specific restaurants and restaurant owners that you uh, interviewed and profiled. But in thinking about th- this movie in a sentence and celebrating the culture of New Haven, there, there's, there's kind of a sentiment that I found popping up over and over again in your interviews. And there's a quote from Claire Criscolo, who, com- who owns Claire's, and then Jason Sobosinski, who owns Casius, among other places. And uh, they both spoke about kind of New Haven's reputation, maybe outside of this city, elsewhere in the state, elsewhere in the country, as a uh, kind of a hard knocks place, as a place uh, kind of rife with crime, as a place that one would not necessarily want to go to to enjoy the um, kind of more like sensual pleasures of, you know, like food and drink and and camaraderie and walking around downtown. Um, And I wonder if that was a reputation you were familiar with before you started working on this documentary, just growing up in the area, and also that you felt like you had to or wanted to combat with this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I almost think that was almost the first starting point of the film was very important for me kind of to just, you know, push those rumors, not rumors away, but I really wanted to show how great of a place New Haven was. And even working when I bartended in L.A., I would tell people I'm from the New Haven area and they would know, you know, the the bad rumors about it or stuff like that. Yeah, stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. Which is insane, which is interesting. But I almost feel like New Haven is the, um, you know, that every movie hero that you think about, it has kind of a bad past and now everyone wants wants it to do well and they're so excited Mm -hmm. for it to do well. And that's why I love that about New Haven. And I, I mean, I know because I'm someone who was a transplant and definitely heard that sort of, it, you know, people say gun wave in New Haven, which I, I cannot stand. Right, yeah. um, I'm just totally allergic to the, the saying. That's terrible. But um, but but I'm wondering, you know, you so we mentioned Jason Sobosinski. We mentioned Claire. Um, how did you meet these chefs? And, and was it sort of like you were working on this first and you met them through the project or you had met them through eating in New Haven? Because these are personable. They're people, people. Yeah. Sort of. Um, or, you know, I guess walk us a little bit through the genesis of that. Yeah, sure. So I was bartending in New Haven for five or six years and I would meet them, you know, here or there. But it really kind of uh, just rolled through the project. I would interview, you know, Tim Cabral from Ordinary and he'd be like, hey, have you talked to this person? I'd say, no, I haven't. Um, I would love to reach out to them and he would do his best to help me out. And so it kind of everything just kind of snowballed. But uh, no, it was such an honor to meet all the people. And I just kept meeting more and more great people. And I'm like, how didn't I know you years ago? You know, you're yeah. such an inspirational person. Who was the, the first restaurant owner that you spoke to for this project? Or the first restaurant or bar that you profiled? I think the first one I did, I tried to do the ones that I've worked at over the past. And I worked at 116 Crown. So I started with John Giannetti and uh, I worked at Geronimo over the years. So I, I talked to uh, Tim Scott, who's a managing partner over there. And uh, it just all kind of snowballed from there. Which is cool. That's that's so cool. Uh, Tom, I can see that you're chomping at the bit, actually, with another question. So I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, I, I was thinking about how you... Um, so the movie is a little over an hour long, and it's composed of, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 different restaurant profiles for that hour. But you do have this uh, this kind of narrator of sorts in Colin Kaplan, who's a local historian. and run, He's been on Lucy's show to talk about... Uh, his oh, is it New Haven Eats? I'm blanking on the name of Taste the of New Taste Haven. Of New yeah, Haven and and Colin tour. now has the New Haven Party right, Bike. The New Haven Party Bike. 
And um, he, he really is an ins- kind of like a culinary institution in, in the city and, and cares. I mean, he loves New Haven, so he's a good narrator to have. So I wonder why you turn to him as the kind of the continuous thread throughout this story. And why turn to a historian to be that? Or to, I, I don't know if he's an amateur historian. He's or, an amateur historian, But, yeah. you know, someone who is deeply invested in the history of New Haven to help tell the story about contemporary restaurants in New Haven. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I wish I could say it came like deep within me, but he was actually the last interview I did in the whole documentary. And I felt like I needed someone to kind of tie up all the loose ends. And everyone I interviewed had said, hey, have you talked to Colin Kaplan? I was like, no, no, not yet. And uh, so he was the last interview I did. It was very like, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I kind of just went into it. And he was a great interview. And I can't imagine the film without him, you know? And uh, yeah, just he just knows so much about New Haven. I can't imagine the film without all the knowledge that he, you know, showed within the film. It, it really tied it all together. And I think he really prides himself on knowing the kind of trends in immigration in this city. I mean, he knows when, like, the Italian immigrants came over and when, oh, there are a whole bunch of other demographic groups that he German cites immigrants in, came in this over movie. And... But, but yeah, he, he is able to look back at New Haven's ethnic past and tie it to, you know, all of these restaurants that, that we enjoy today. Um, I, I wonder if we could start... Well, actually, I want to hear... Where, where did you bartend? So you say you bartended at 116 Crown. Anywhere else yeah, in so New Haven? I, I actually bartended at the uh, New Haven Meatball House, if you remember that. Oh, I, yeah. I, I do, the, the late yeah. Crete Meatball House. <laughs> yeah, that was a great place. And then, uh, yeah, 116 Crown, I opened up Geronimo in Fairfield, and then I moved out to L.A. for two years, came back, worked at Geronimo in New Haven. Um, and what were you doing place. out in L.A.? You were bartending, but were you also pursuing something movie-related? Yeah, I was doing a lot of bad acting and bad <laughs> filmmaking out there, um, but... As I was working out there, I really realized how much L.A. culture, the food culture out there is so celebrated. And every new restaurant gets a write-up, an interview. And I was like, I need to bring something like that back to New Haven. Yeah. And I was so excited to do that and just kind of make excitement for New Haven. You know, there's already a lot, but I tried to do my best to make even more. Can, in in oh. that way, well, I'm, I'm so curious because in that way, you and Colin sort of are, are already kindred spirits. Right, he went yeah. to L.A. and he wasn't into it. He thought he'd be into it and he wasn't. And he came back and I was talking to him a couple weeks ago as he was debuting his party bike. And one of the things he said was, I, I much, much prefer being a big fish in a small pond. And so did you feel sort of like that? Because New Haven is a small pond. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I think um, I... I felt a little bit about that. I do love L.A. I loved everything about it out there, but it's definitely true that you miss home when you're not away. And it took me being away from L.A. and uh, sorry, being away from New Haven to realize how much I really appreciated Mm. it and how much I wanted other people to appreciate it as well. Could you uh, before we really dive into what makes New Haven's culinary scene distinct and go into these different restaurants? You tell us a bit about your impression of the L.A. food scene. I mean, we got you know exposed to that through that movie City of Gold uh, about yeah. Jonathan Gold. Great, great film. Um, yeah. But I, I wonder if there is, and he really describes L.A. as a kind of mosaic of different immigrant neighborhoods that bring their own kind of authentic uh, cultures and cuisines that don't really, it's not the melting pot image of the United States, but rather one where all this incredible diversity exists side by side and you get to kind of sample a little bit of everything. But what, what was your impression of that that food culture and uh yeah maybe yeah no that's a that's a great film i actually lived right in hollywood but right next to thai town so i spent a lot of time eating thai food and korea town i spent a lot of time eating korean and uh, one of my favorite chefs is roy Choi, uh, who has a couple of restaurants in korea town and he just talks about the pulse of la most people miss the pulse of la because they want to go to hollywood or santa monica but a lot of the pulse is happening in koreatown or in spanish you know parts of la and 
it's great to see so many they have so many different pockets of food and culture in in la i I think we have that in new haven just on a smaller scale which Mm. is amazing yeah, well, so let's transition to the film it- itself. But first, I want to remind listeners, if you're just joining us or if you've been hanging out with us here on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, um, this is Kitchen Sink. I'm Lucy Gelman. It's a mashup with Deep Focus. So I'm here with Tom Breen, the Hello. host of that show. So you can catch this interview again next Thursday at noon. And we are here with Jim O'Connor. Jim is the uh, documentary filmmaker behind Food Haven, which has its debut next week. He's a media production specialist at Quinnipiac University. And so we'll also get into a little bit uh, what it means to have a, a sort of a passion project and how you fit time in for that editing, because I, uh, man, I feel you on that on that front. Um, but but first of all, I'm so curious watching this. Um, there are some executive decisions that it's clear you made to kind of focus on um, maybe restaurants that are at the literal heart of New Haven. And by that, I'm, I mean, kind of in the downtown food scene. So when you were thinking about what you wanted to talk about, how did you make those decisions? Yeah, um, it was definitely um, kind of based on my feelings and my memories of New Haven and mm. what where restaurants that I like to go that really mean something to me. You know, great experiences I've had at a certain restaurant. I really wanted to go in there and try to develop that through the story. And um, I think I almost reached out to every restaurant in New Haven. <laughs> and I kind of based it off, you know, who was interested and uh, who I thought would make a great story. And there were a lot of interviews I didn't use in the film. Yeah. You know, like hour-long interviews that I thought were great and then just didn't fit. So uh, I tried to do my best to make a spread of New Haven, but yeah, it did centralize. And this is something that uh, everyone in every wake of life in New Haven has to deal with, whether it's alders advocating for their particular neighborhoods or, you know, restaurants figuring out where to open up shop. But New Haven has a um, kind of centralized downtown that's organized around the the nine squares of downtown. And then we have all of these... uh, these neighborhoods, uh, neighborhoods that sprawl north, east, southwest, from you know all the way down to uh, Morris Cove, to Dixwell, New Hallville, Westville, Fairhaven, um, and each of those places, while not uh, the kind of hubs of the arts and culture and nightlife in the way that downtown is, they all have their unique kind of uh, ethnic heritages and and also their own uh, food cultures. And I wonder if um, I mean you were talking about your personal connections to a lot of the places that you profiled. Uh, were you reaching out to restaurants in other neighborhoods as well outside of downtown? Did you feel any kind of compulsion to make this a representative democ- uh, documentary about the diversity of food in uh, It's also in a representative, representative democracy. democracy. <laughs> but like, did, did you find yourself like going along Grand Avenue or up Dixwell, or was this you know, more focused on your own personal experiences and connections to restaurants? Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a good mix of both. I think if it was just my personal experiences, it would be a lot more centralized. But yeah, I think, um, like I said, I think I reached out to almost every restaurant I could think of. And uh, yeah, I did spend time driving around and tasting a lot of food and uh, seeing what I thought would work well. And I tried to make find a lot of smaller restaurants that I think deserved more publicity and, you know, still go to those union leagues and those higher, uh, you know, that have a lot of recognition. As someone who's actually so interested in the idea of the cutting room floor, so I know, I know as a director, you probably don't want to give all your secrets away, and maybe there will be a sequel with that B-roll, um, but can you tell us about some of those really interesting hour-long interviews that maybe you decided not to include because they just didn't fit with the narrative structure of the film? Yeah, and, and it's uh, yeah, there's a term that you hear a lot called kill your darlings, where you have to you know destroy <laughs> the interviews that you really love, but you can't. 
Um, I think, yeah, I just I blame myself, really. I think I didn't ask the right questions mm. that I felt represented that establishment and what they stood for. And maybe the interview kind of just went off on a tangent that I didn't think really uh, focused on what I was going for. So, um, yeah, maybe there'll be a sequel. Who knows? I don't know. Are, are there any examples of restaurants that did not make the final cut that you could tell us about? Or should, I, we also want to talk about the ones that are in the movie. But I'm curious if there are any that were like right at the edge, but you thought, nah, couldn't quite make it. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. I don't, I don't want to throw anyone, you know, I don't want to upset anyone. But yeah, there were some great restaurants that didn't make it, and I apologize. So let's let's talk about the ones that did. Also, absolutely. Has, I guess if, if the premiere is next week, no one has seen this. Isn't no one seen this, right? So right. Except I mean, we had well, you we, were we generous have. enough to send us a screener, but right. great. So this means very exciting that we're talking to an audience that can't anticipate this movie. But um, I mean, my question about the restaurants that are profiled are. And take take us into a few. What are some that are featured in this movie? Some that surprised you, delighted you, um, that you maybe didn't know as much about beforehand. What give us give us a sure. few examples? Yeah, uh, there was a lot of that. Sometimes I went into restaurants really blind and just um, didn't know what to expect. And those were some of the best ones. Like take Lorchio on State Street. I knew it was an Italian restaurant. I knew it was a uh, great family oriented, but they were one of the best interviews and super passionate. And they were very funny. Because they, they had like notes that they were holding notes and they were very nervous, but they were so great and they were so passionate and uh, I love their interview. Just a great, great people there. Um, that was I, probably my favorite interview in the movie too. What a sweet yeah, couple. Yeah, it's so sweet. It's a very sweet yeah. couple. And, and you intercut the interview with photos of them back in Italy like 20 years ago, you know, getting like married and looking ever, forward yeah. To, yeah, to opening this did. restaurant. Um, I don't know if, are they Italian or are they Americans who were living in Ita- Italy and then moved Yeah, back? the chef is Italian, yeah. yeah. Um, and how did you, was that a restaurant that Tim suggested you check out or, or had you walked past it on State Street and thought, huh, maybe I should go in and interview these folks? Yeah, I definitely tried to have um, each kind of each kind of uh, cuisine represented. And I thought I wanted to get a really good Italian place. And, you know, there's so many Italian places, but I thought I kind of wanted to try one off the beaten path. So I went with them and it was great and it worked out. It was awesome. And the scenes of them making food, I think, is is actually something really special. So as a you know, as you were putting this together, I guess, did you you have this whole beautiful montage where they're making pasta, fresh pasta. And the I ravioli, found myself. Right? <laughs> yeah, I found myself both eating leftover pasta this morning, which is problematic in its own way. Um, but watching rewatching the sequence as I was eating leftover pasta and thinking, Oh my gosh, this looks so like so much better than what I was eating. Um, and, and so you, it, it looks like you included, um, most of it or, or most of what you saw there. Was that because of their technique or their ingredients? Yeah, I think I just think his passion really comes through. You know, anyone can watch someone make pasta and you'll get different reactions. But just watching him make pasta and he talks about his daughter and he talks about his first time being a chef. I thought it was, you know, I was just memorized. I was kind of just holding the camera like a deer in the headlights. Like, wow, what am I? And especially I don't come from an Italian background. So for me, that was an incredible experience. Yeah. I think there are three uh, kind of attributes of each profile of a restaurant that um, you really balance well in, in the best of interviews. And that's what the restaurant kind of was and was originally kind of founded to be, what it is now, and then what the food looks like and how it's prepared. And I think because one like a very important part of like the food movie as a genre is uh, documenting the preparation of food in an appetizing way and like a visually <laughs> splendid way. And I wonder... Um, how you like t- maybe take us into a restaurant with you? How if if you agree those are the kind of the three big things you were trying to capture? Yeah, sure. Yeah. How how do you um, get that out of an experience at a restaurant? And 
what, what was the food that you were documenting? Yeah, it was very tough. I wanted, obviously, I think I wanted to set up interviews with every restaurant and then do my best to get in and kind of just watch them cook. And uh, some of them were a little more accommodating than others, which was great. And uh, even just like the food truck on Long Wharf, uh, Triple Eight, Dustin Moss, I just I was just standing outside of the food truck and just watching. And it was this whole family inside this truck. You know, they're they're not talking; they're just moving like angelically, and it was great. So, I, I tried to get into every kitchen that I could, and all the kitchens I thought worked best, I tried to showcase in the film. And and did some chefs because I found you know talking to chefs for. Uh, for reporting for the New Haven Independent that some chefs are like, oh my God, yes, come into the kitchen. I'm going to pull out all the stops. I'm going to make this dish. And some are a little more hesitant. So, you know, of course, without hurting any feelings, tell us a little bit about that process because I I think folks who see the finished product maybe don't think about that. Yeah. No, I think uh, chefs are obviously very artistic people. And as an artist, you're very, um, sometimes you can be very closed off and very secretive of your recipes and maybe not the most approachable. And so it was definitely a challenge, especially doing it by myself, to get them to trust me. I think it was maybe different because I had a restaurant background that they knew I was in the industry for a while, and I knew some people in the uh, in the industry that could kind of back me up and stuff like that. Um, but no, it was very intimidating, and um, they obviously want their food to look good, and they might be self-conscious making the food. So it was a lot of uh, you know self-conscious filming and food preparation going on, and it, you know, turned out to be great, which is awesome. Yeah. And, oh, I, I'm curious. I mean, was that the first time where you sort of felt, because it's true, especially when there's a camera involved, but even when you're, you know, yanking out your notepad and writing stuff down, all of a sudden people freeze up sometimes, or yeah. it can be uncomfortable to say, hey, I really need you to give me this detail, or like, we can't really include this story. <laughs> um, so, I mean, how did you navigate that? Or had you dealt with it before in your filmmaking? No, this was uh, definitely my first uh, challenge. I, I've always done more narrative filmmaking. This was actually my my first go at a documentary. And um, I don't know, maybe it was just I, I tried to keep a good energy in the room and uh, just found a way to ask good questions. And I sent them the questions beforehand. So maybe that was good preparation for them. And um, I don't know, I just tried to keep a good flow of questions going. And I could tell if they were uncomfortable, I would ask a fun question and try and keep it light. So Thanks. it was a good balance. I've, I've spoken to a few... Uh, filmmakers who have worked in both narrative and documentary before. And I'm thinking back to my conversation with Stephen Dest, a fan who works at the Neighborhood Music School uh, and has made My Brother Jack, which is a fiction film, and now uh, I Am Shakespeare. Shakespeare, And he said that the biggest challenge for him moving from narrative to documentary is that when you're working in documentary, you don't know when the movie's over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like when when you are done making it. Because ostensibly you could keep 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 filming and keep talking and you know the story that you are documenting doesn't necessarily end just because you turn your camera off this is kind of nonfiction. this is real life as opposed to something that you have written out beforehand now of course documentaries also follow narrative trajectories often um but i wonder if that was a challenge for you at all was it ever like hey do i still keep going or is it (laughs) over right now no yeah i think um this and especially with this film this is a film that you could do forever you know i could go into every restaurant in new haven and it would be you know dynamic and it would be great but um yeah i definitely tried to give myself a deadline um i tried to do it up until the deadlines for the film festival that i wanted to put it in were so i tried to give myself a deadline but yeah of course i always think i should have done this i wish i went to this place oh i just heard this place is opening and the film so the film's about an hour and 10 minutes but how much footage would you say you edited? Oh, a gross amount. Um, yeah, so I think I went to about 20 restaurants and wow. probably did 30 restaurants overall. 
and most of the interviews were 45 to an hour minutes long. So, so there's, yeah, 30,000 minutes of footage. Yeah. And, oh, I can see. Well, I'm, I'm eager in. to hear um, about some more restaurants. So we've heard about Lercio um, and the Longwear food trucks. Uh, can you tell us about one that maybe you were less familiar with? Well, I guess Lorcio was one you were less familiar with going in, but anything that particularly surprised you about a restaurant uh, in over the course of making this movie? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely want to talk about Mia's. I mean, I knew a good amount about Mia's and Bun Lai and the family over there, but uh, he welcomed me in with open arms. I feel like I'm part of that family now, and uh, I got to go with them foraging, and I, he took me out on his boat, and uh, he spoke at the White House, which was an amazing experience for new haven and for his restaurant and the country and uh so he texted me a day before he was like hey i'm speaking at the white house you should come down and <laughs> i had so many things going on but i you know what kind of film would it be if i didn't go so i drove down by myself and uh, got to see him speak and interview him at at the white house which is great and uh, yeah just experiences like that that i wasn't prepared for or had any idea would come from the film and make a huge part of the film and for instance, the foraging, so there's a foraging sequence in which um, Bun and his sister are picking wild lettuce. And you see a big bug at one point on a leaf of wild lettuce. And then you also see a big hole. And Bun says, you know, if it's, if it's good enough for insects and for animals to eat, that means it's good enough for humans to eat. That's a really good thing. But throughout the film, did you feel like your eyes were being opened to new parts of what we're actually putting into our bodies? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's such a hot topic today, especially. And uh, my parents are vegan, so I've always kind of had that, you know, influx into vegetarianism and, you know, veganism and all that stuff. But, yeah, I've just learned so much about food during this, uh, during filming this. It was a real great experience for me as a filmmaker and as an eater and as a fan of food. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Have your eating habits changed at all since making this movie? Yeah, definitely. Like in terms of what restaurants you visit or in terms of, I don't know, how you prepare your food? Yeah, how I prepare my food and I'm just a lot more adventurous and uh, I make sure I try and go to these restaurants that invited me in and they always, you know, treat me like family when I go in there, which is great. Do you have any dietary restrictions? Or what, I mean, what was it like, so growing up, uh, two, two parents are both vegans and then I'm sure that you've been exposed to meat many sure, times in your life, sure, but yeah. in this movie, I mean, there's plenty of plenty of images of like, just pieces of meat sizzling somewhere. The, yeah. the barely cooked Louis Lunch burger just like kind of dripping <laughs> out at you. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, I was never vegan. I was just always, you know, you know, I've been around it, so I'm used to it. But um, no, I have no restriction. I'll eat anything. And um, yeah, I think that's the way you have to be nowadays. You just have to be open to different food and to plants with bug holes on it. And you just have to trust. I want people to be able to trust uh, these chefs and these restaurants and just realize that there's great things going on there. And did you find, so there's, I didn't know this, uh, that there's a Louis Lunch Burger with Cheese Whiz on it. Oh, yeah. But, um, but I guess what funky foods uh, did you find when you were doing this? Mm, that's a good question. And I was very intrigued by that piece of lettuce that Bum was holding up and said, you could not eat this. whole. And the, the leaf was only like six inches long right. or something. But he's saying it's too flavorful. To, I don't know if you just like took a bite out of it the minute that he said it. But. <laughs> no, I wanted to. Yeah, I think definitely a lot of things that Bun Lion are doing are, I would say, freaky, quote unquote freaky. Uh, but everything's everything works. I don't I'm not too, uh, you know, I don't think food is freaky. I'll eat anything. I'll try anything. There's not too many freaky things that I came across. But um yeah, I always admire finding out new things like that. What Bun's doing over there, he you know makes up new inventions every day, and I'm like, that's crazy, but that that works, and you're a genius. You know. So New Haven is probably, if New Haven's culinary like culture is known at all outside of New Haven, it's for its pizza. 
Um, and that is how, I mean, you and three other chefs we've interviewed, um, Bun, Jason, and ooh, Elm City Social Guy. Yeah, John, John Brennan. Brennan. John yeah. Brennan. Um, you visit some of the, the kind of hot spots of New Haven pizza life. Uh, I wonder how, did, did you feel like this was going to be, it had to be a very important part of your movie? Like, you have to get pizza right <laughs> because New Haven is so associated with pizza. And how, how'd you go about uh, tackling that? No, I, that I, I almost felt that I wanted this film to om, almost be an afterthought about pizza. I think everyone thinks New Haven, pizza, pizza, but it's so much more than that. And that's why I kind of saved that segment for the, for the end of the film. I want you to go through this adventure and then at the end there's a great tour and we walk around and I wanted the tour to be light and I didn't want to go into the pizza restaurants and really show what they're doing. I want people to experience that for themselves. Almost, I almost wanted to keep it like, uh, you know, Willy Wonka when he goes by the factory, he's <laughs> like, I wonder what, what happens in there and that will make people try and go in there. So yeah, I wanted to do a nice tour that was light and to get, to hear chefs, you know, tell the truth about food is, is amazing. And I thought that was a very dynamic sequence which is cool and with that i mean did you because food can get very political mm. so certainly we're talking about pizza i have witnessed uh both between chefs and people who are just culinary culinarily excuse me inclined and then people who have to have an opinion about everything i've witnessed like all out pizza wars in oh, new yeah. haven which coming from the like pizza wars don't happen in the midwest maybe we fight about like chex mix or <laughs> i don't know something more uh germane but um, did you witness kind of some political, I don't want to say disputes or, or discussions? Certainly Bun can get very political about food. I mean, what he does with sustainable food is inherently political. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I came across a lot of that. I'll, I would ask that interview with every question, you know, where do you stand on the big pizza debate? And it would get a crazy reaction every time. <laughs> and it was always it was always great, but I felt like I didn't want it to be too opinionated. I don't want to... Uh, tell people what's the best pizza in New Haven. I just want people to try them all and decide for themselves. And I try to keep it objective uh, for that. So you were talking earlier in the episode about how this was your first time in a lot of these kitchens, even though you'd worked in the New Haven sure. restaurant world for uh, five years. And, you know, chefs were understandably self-conscious about how their kitchens and their food would, would be represented. And I wonder how you, as a documentary filmmaker, balanced between... Um, like not making marketing promotional videos for these restaurants, mm. um, but also making a movie that, if not necessarily like with the goal of being amenable to, like like you don't necessarily mm. want to just make something to appease the people that you're right. making it about, um, but you also had to maintain a certain level of access or else you'd just be outside the restaurants sure, and sure. kind of peering in. So how, how do you... How do you balance those two yeah, things? Yeah, I think I just always try to keep it light. And um, yeah, it definitely was a thought in my mind. Do I try and make this like great? Do I bring in dollies and jibs and try and do all this crazy stuff? But um, no, a lot of the time I just was handheld and it would be very, um, you know, we would the, me and the chefs would communicate like, what should I do? How should I do this? And I would just say, you know, I'm going to be here and I'll just follow you and you just do your thing. I didn't try and stage anything. Um, I just wanted them to be comfortable, do their thing. If it didn't work, I would uh, ask them to do it again. But always tried to keep it light and I think they really responded to that instead of me saying okay now we're gonna put it on the grill give me two seconds I'm gonna set up the the tripod and you know some lights and stuff like that and this is something that we as people who write about New Haven Arts for the Independent always talk about is you know if we don't like something if we don't like a concert if we don't like mm -hmm. a particular artist mm -hmm. you know how much do you go out there for a community news site like ours and you know pan it and be like super critical even if you feel like you're being honest your reaction um, is that a productive response 
uh, in the art section of something like the New Haven Independent. And what we tend to do is if we really don't like something and don't have much productive to say except we didn't like it, then it's just not something we're going to review. Sure. If it is something that we really like and want to both profile and talk about why we like it, then that's perfect fodder for it. And in, when you describe the mission of this movie, it's to celebrate the culture of New Haven. I imagine that was something kind of similar going through your mind. If I really don't like it, then there's no need to put it in the movie and be right. critical about it. Yeah. No, definitely. And I really wanted to find people that were passionate. I know if I went into restaurants that had a lot of recognition and they were very, you know, I could tell they weren't passionate about the film, then I wouldn't use that piece mm. because I didn't feel like they really were truly stood behind their process and their people and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was a huge factor. And it's very hard to find people that are super passionate like Jason and Bun Lai. Just you can tell really care right off the bat. As soon as you see them, they're really passionate and happy about food and they love to train their staff. And so I felt like if I didn't see that on camera in the interview, then I wouldn't have used it. And there were some very candid moments, though. I, I was so um, I, I found it great that Claire at one point said, listen, if I'm going out, I'm going to my place, <laughs> um, which, which I thought was ballsy. You know, I, yeah, oh, I yeah. really did. Yeah. Um, but also there are some very candid moments with Prasad of, mm-hmm. um, of Tali and Tali, too. Yeah. And so did those just come from the relationships that you were forging or did they sort of pop out of the woodwork when you weren't expecting them? No, I, I think a lot of them just kind of popped out. Um, so I set up an interview with Prasad and we, uh, you know, turned the camera off and talked for an additional like 20 minutes. And he's like, hey, you know what? Um, tonight I'm doing a big reveal with Yale and we're doing our goat biryani. And if you want, you know, you should stop by. And I was like, yeah, of course, I'll be there. And so I didn't try and, you know, pry too much into what they were doing. But a lot of times these chefs and these families would just say, hey, look, we're doing this. We'd love to have you. And, uh, you know, it just worked out, which was great. Well, and you mentioned, for instance, the goat biryani, which is a super involved process. And so did you feel like even though you had a background in some restaurant and bartending experience, you were still learning a lot about food and and sort of everything that goes into food preparation? Oh, yeah. I I think I look at all these chefs in New Haven as heroes. You know, I don't know. I'm not a good cook. I'm not. I wouldn't say I I cook well. And uh, yeah, so constantly learning and constantly admiring what these people are saying. And every time I watch them cook, you know, watching uh, Chef Jean-Pierre cook at Union League, I was just, uh, you know, how lucky am I to go in there and get to do that? You know, he's a huge, famous chef, yeah. which is great. Uh, I have a kind of big picture question that <laughs> asked you about L.A. at the top, but if you were to talk about New Haven's culinary scene in a sentence or two, like how, what, what do you think distinguishes New Haven as a place to go and eat from other comparably sized cities or other places you've been to? Um, why, why'd you choose to celebrate this particular food culture? Yeah, I think, um, as I was saying about LA, I think it's so celebrated and New Haven is kind of this underdog city. And, um, I kind of feel like they always get kind of swept away, maybe not as much anymore, but I always felt growing up, they kind of get pushed aside and, uh, they have so much to offer. And I just, I love everything that New Haven has to offer and what they do and the people in New Haven. And I just wanted to kind of showcase that. I think, um, there's so much going on in such a small area. And every time I go out, I just love and enjoy New Haven. And I wanted to show that as best as I could. Is there a particular type of cuisine besides pizza that you think New Haven like needs to be known for right now as well or does uh, very well? I don't know. Every time I try and think of a different cuisine that they need, I see one pop up and I'm like, wow, I didn't know that was even here. Um, no. So I think we're doing a great job. And I think it's only maybe even in its infancy and it'll only get better 
you know, very soon. Well, I also want to ask about timeline, but first I want to remind listeners that uh, if you're just joining us or if you've been with us for the half hour and change, this is Kitchen Sink on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. I'm here with Deep Focus host Tom Breen because it is a mashup with Deep Focus um, and also with Jim O'Connor. Jim is a documentary filmmaker and also a media production specialist. I can't talk today. Media production specialist at Quinnipiac. University, and we're talking about his new film, uh, Food Haven, which has its big debut next week, which is very exciting. So, as far as timeline, um, how many either months or, or years did this take place over? Yeah, so this um, I started shooting in July. Um, I got insurance for the film, so I only had a brief time to shoot the film, and I wanted to kind of do it by the books uh, and do it right. So, I, I, I shot for about six months or so and then edited for about three to four so just under a year this took me just under a year to produce and uh, and that was july 2016 yeah and were there changes because as i was watching this so um when john brennan sort of pops up i thought well i know him through olives and oil which is his newest venture and so did you feel like um there kind of are institutions certainly claire's cornucopia is one of them um, I think uh, Casius, which is now joined by Ordinary and Blackhawk Brewery, is, is another one of them. But did you feel like the pace of the city was moving very quickly? Oh, yeah. And especially even Colin uh, Kaplan talking about his party bike, how it's in the works and it's coming. Well, it's already here. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of that. And, uh, yeah, I always worried, you know, what if this restaurant doesn't make it mm-hmm. too long? That would be terrible. Um, so I felt like I took a chance on places I thought would do well. And yeah. Been lucky so far. <laughs> but but then you also went into, so for instance, we mentioned Union League, which is uh, kind of this, I, I feel like a member of New Haven's old culinary guard, you know, if if yeah. you will. So there there was definitely that mix. Uh, the, um, oh, I, I asking the timeline thread reminded me, um, are there any restaurants that have opened subsequent mm. to you? subsequent to you making this movie that you would have wanted to include in this or that you have been to been to and think are you know continue the spirit of what you're trying to capture here yeah i think uh, olives and oil is great i think uh, mecca mecha noodle bar is awesome i would love to go in there um i tried to go to the college street music hall it didn't work out with timing but i felt like that would have been a great uh perspective on the city um yeah, I think every new place that opens up, I'm like, oh, I wish I had that one. And they serve food. They serve food and local beer at the College Street. They have the yeah. little taco stand outside. Yeah, Geronimo is there, too. Yes, yeah. I have used it frequently. It's It's been great. Um, so what, what makes for a, a good and successful food movie for you? We're talking about how you know this is a very New Haven-specific movie and there's certain aspects of the culture and cuisine that you want to highlight, but... In terms of you know any movie that is so focused on both food and people who make it and places that serve it, uh, how how does one do that well? And how do you try to incorporate maybe what you saw in other movies, other techniques into Food Haven? Yeah, I mean that's I think that's the hardest part. But uh, definitely one of my top five favorite favorite films of all time is a Japanese film called Tampopo. You've ever seen it? I've I've read all about it, but I have not seen it. It just <laughs> came out on Criterion, so if you get a chance, you should pick it up. Um, yeah, so it's a great film. It's about culture. It's, you know, they call it a noodle western because this truck driver <laughs> stops at a ramen bar and um, it's kind of beaten and run down. And they go through this whole kind of like Rocky-esque uh, montage of, you know, making this ramen the best they can do. And you really see about what goes into cooking and how important cooking is to this, to this woman's life and her family. And 
Uh, it's really great. You don't see too many food movies that go from the bottom up. It's usually like, uh, oh, I work at a restaurant on the side, but you know, I'm also a model or something. Yeah. You know, so it's great to see movies that um, really show how hard it is to own a restaurant or work in a restaurant, as opposed to how successful and money making a, a place like that can be. Yeah. And did you already feel like you had a pretty realistic notion of the work that went into it? Because so many people romanticize what it would be like to own a restaurant. You know, people think, oh, I like to cook. This would be a walk in the park. When in fact, there are so many moving parts and often finances are stretched so thin that um, that it's really, really difficult. And kitchens are notoriously just crazed and harried places with people yeah, working, right. you know, ungodly I, yeah. hours and having I to be on their feet for, sure. you know, hours on end. Yeah, I mean, the stories, uh, <laughs> even that Alex Lachinsky, who was at, at Casey's at the, yeah. at the time of this documentary, the stories that he told of um, training in restaurants where he would have, like, pans thrown at his head and stuff like that. Um, and, and that's... Uh, unfortunately, not uncommon. But there are no pans thrown at people's heads in this movie. Did, <laughs> no. you, is that, did you cut it that didn't part make, out? Yeah, it didn't okay. make the final cut. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, there was definitely a point in my life where I wanted to open a restaurant, and I was like, I'm doing this. This is my future. I dropped filmmaking. I was like, I want to do this, and I just worked in restaurants. Um, but yeah, it's, I would say it's one of the hardest business ever, and not only do you need a great concept and money, but you need people around you, and you need staff to be passionate about what you're doing there and you need customers and you need great PR and great product. And it's, there's so many different aspects that go into great restaurants. It's uh, mind blowing. And then after about. all that, sometimes people just don't come. Yeah. <laughs> Even right. if it's a yeah. great sometimes product. Doesn't, so yeah. It doesn't work. kind of arbitrary. Yeah. I mean, location, end, is, yeah. location. is just so much mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that Donna current, so you talked to Donna and Denise of Zinc and Kitchen Zinc, who are, I think two of my favorite people and also just female business owners, which is sure. great. In New Haven. Um, But one thing Donna said is, you know, food at the end of the day is people coming together around a table and having that culinary bond. But earlier in the interview, you said that you you weren't a good cook, (laughs) which I have trouble believing. Um, But do you enjoy cooking? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely enjoy. <laughs> but uh, I, it's kind of one of those things that, like I try and keep to the experts. You know, I, I, yeah. don't, you know, I don't know. I feel disrespectful if I cook bad food. I'm like, I should have done better. <laughs> but I'm do too you, hard on myself. I, you know? I guess my follow-up <laughs> question is, how do you live that um, when you're not sitting behind a computer and, and editing and maybe eating on the go? Which certainly we, I think, <laughs> as also young professionals, totally understand. Yeah, it's very hard. Um, Luckily, I have great people around me and live with my girlfriend who's a great cook. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's very hard. You, gotta, you have to find time to cook and get fresh product and go to the farmer's market. It's so involved, and I think people overlook that. You know, they think you can just go to the grocery store. But, yeah, it's very hard to live that. Well, and speaking of things that are time-consuming, so this, my understanding was this was largely um, something that you were motivated to do. Um, it wasn't clear to me if... Um, if you had a, a lot of institutional support, although you did mention, so you had insurance for the film. Um, but how do you sort of juggle? It's a lot of balls in the air to have going at once. So how did you juggle, you know, working, uh, being a human being, you know, like remembering to breathe, but then, then also making this film on the side and having a very limited amount of time? Because you said, what, like seven months in all or nine months in yeah, all? Yeah, six months to film, um, yeah. Um, it was actually, I made this film before I started working at Quinnipiac, okay. so it was all on my own. It was all self-funded. Um, yeah, I, I tried to do it. I wanted to do it for myself. I didn't have any help. I just wanted to do it and, uh, yeah, learn how to juggle those things. I think it's important. A lot of filmmakers, I know, they're like, I need help right away, and 
it was important for me to try and do this all by myself and learn what not to do and how I can do better for the next film. So I think that was probably the biggest, um, most important thing I took away from this film is to uh, get people to help you. <laughs> could, could you tell us any other lessons that you took away from? I mean, if you're, this is very much a learning experience in addition to being a you know, great and very enjoyable movie in and of itself, but what, what are you bringing with you from this experience to your next project? Yeah, I think I um, maybe I got lucky a lot of times kind of just going in blind and then great things came out of it, which is always a good thing of filmmaking. But um, I could have done a lot more planning and uh, had a more of a reach. And I, I didn't do any like focus groups or, you know, I didn't have many people watch it and tell me what you think. It was kind of just my experiences and what I thought would be good. But maybe people don't, you know, enjoy food. They might not like it as much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> food haven may not be for you if you're not into food yeah. Yeah. director admits maybe that disclaimer yeah that disclaimer should be at the entry the end the entrance of um yeah of but that's the beautiful festival. thing about about food and f movie movies about food in that everyone has some relationship to food right it's like that's why family drama mm. is so central to like every single narrative that we as humans create because most people have some relationship to a family whether absent or present and you know, food is used in a variety of ways in movies, sometimes as transitions between scenes, sometimes it's just backdrop, you know, it's a setting. But sometimes it's a vehicle for both the expression of, like, a character or a tension between characters um, or just something kind of visually splendid to look at. And, um, yeah, I think you do, I mean, in pulling from so many diverse types of cuisine and restaurant owners and just people, I think you do a really nice job of, of capturing, like, everything that food has to offer, both... At, like as an image, but also, I mean, this is a real place uh, sure. as, as a place. Yeah, I think it's food is so emotional. I mean, you go to food when you're upset. You go to food to celebrate when you're happy. It's It plays such a huge role in our lives. Imagine how much free time you'd have if you didn't have to eat. You know, you spend so much <laughs> of your life eating, and it's so exciting to go to new restaurants and try new things and new cocktails and new food. It's, it's incredible, and I want people to get excited, uh, as I am, you know, to go to new places and find new, new things. Well, so our time is winding down. Um, if listeners are just joining us or if you've been with us, um, this is a mashup between Kitchen Sink and Deep Focus on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, streaming live at www.newhavenindependent.org and broadcasting from our offices on Elm Street. I'm Lucy Gelman. I'm here with Deep Focus host Tom Breen and documentary filmmaker Jim O'Connor, whose film Food Haven will be, it's at the Whitney Humanities Center next week, correct? I don't think it's so. It's at Gateway. Gateway it's community. at Gateway, yeah, which is close to the Whitney Humanities <laughs> Center, but it is not the same place. I think that, actually, that's uh, maybe a question that we want to kind of close with. Is exactly. Tell, tell yeah. us about the places that people can see Food Haven in the near future. Sure. So, uh, yeah, Cinco de Mayo next Friday, the New Haven International Film Festival will be at Gateway. Uh, we're doing a triple feature, so there'll be two short films about food starting at 7 o'clock on Friday. And then my film will screen about 7.45, 7.47. And uh, we're going to have a fun little red carpet event. You can come, take your picture, uh, meet the people of the film. And then after the film, there'll be a short Q&A. And then we're going to have parties at three of the restaurants that will come out this week. Uh, more info about that. And, uh, yeah, they'll have specials there. You can meet the people of the film and just really get more excited about New Haven. So I'm very excited for so it. So that's May 5th. May 5th. New Haven International Film Festival Gateway. And then Food Haven's also... Uh, playing at NH Docs? Yeah, so that's going to be June 8th for New Haven Documentary Film Festival, and there's going to be an event with uh, Elm City Cycling where they, they're going to set up a bike tour that you go to the restaurants before the film, maybe after the film, and um, then you go see the film and just talk about New Haven and then have fun after, so that'll be great. 
June 8th that one is. And that's at the Whitney Humanita- Humanitarium. So yes, you were correct. So um, as, as we finish up, I always like to ask people this, although it's uh, kind of far too broad. But, but like, what's next? What's next for Jim? Yeah, definitely going to do another documentary this summer. I've got a couple of things in the works. Um, but yeah, definitely another uh, film coming this summer. So stay tuned. And can we know what it's about? Sneak peek? I don't know. No? No scoops? <laughs> well, maybe off air we will hear all yeah, about it. But yeah. listeners, don't worry. We won't really turn off the mic. Fantastic. <laughs> it's going to um, be more yeah. local culture flavor, Great. more stuff like that. Cool. Well, we, we look forward to it. Do you want to do the, the wrap-up thank you? Yeah, let's do the wrap-up <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the air. This has been a mashup between Kitchen Sink and Deep Focus on WNHHLP. Our guest today has been Jim O'Connor. He's a filmmaker. And his uh, their, mm, the <laughs> premiere of his film, Food Haven, is next week at not the Whitney Humanities Center, but at Gateway Community College on Cinco de Mayo. Thank you so much for coming in and chatting about it, Jim, and for letting us get a, a sneak peek at the movie. It was a real pleasure to watch. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you.